Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird, fly. Blackbird, fly. Into the light of the dark black night. That's it. Perfect. That's it, bro. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, but now that I think of it, I don't think anybody's done a Beatles song. They've done, I, I gotta be honest, I don't think anybody's done a Beatles wow. song. Wow. I'm yeah. genuinely surprised. I thought that song was gonna be taken. <laughs> no, I had a but you can do, there's like lots of people. I don't, ha- I can't retain lyrics though for some reason. Oh, that's I'm why very we can pull them all up and just use True. it from there. Justin, welcome back to the show. It wasn't too long ago that you were on the show, man. Yeah, very a little much group setting. Yeah. Uh, so welcome back. Thank, Thank you. you. I have back and uh, pleasure. We got Justin Sherry here from Justin Sherry Design Studio. Uh, website is www.justinsherry.ca and uh, to reach him is 705-300-2341. Yep. And info at justinsherry.ca and on social media it's Justin Sherry Design Studio. Just on IG? Yeah, uh, Facebook, but same tag. Same tag is yeah. everything the same. Huh? Uh, quick shout out. I'm wearing a Snickers tee today. Nice bright shirt. Uh, it's a nice little bounce. It's Friday. It's nice and sunny. I want to just talk about an email that I received from Eli. Uh, he actually sent me an inquiry. He loves the show, so I just wanted to share this little email here. Uh, Eli Huntley. I'm from New Hamburg, Ontario. I've been listening to the show for about a year now. I'm incredibly grateful for all how you guys are helping helping the, to make the industry more approachable for the younger generation. I think we are. Um, I'd be very grateful for your opinion on career advice. Uh, I currently <laughs> am a carpenter apprentice uh, with a medium-sized general contractor who does industrial and commercial work. It's a good setup with benefits, security, and potential to grow up with the, the company. The problem is that I don't get much experience actually learning the trade. Most of our work is odds and ends, but not ever focusing on, say, concrete or framing or finishing. I'm considering trying to switch to a smaller operation where I can really learn to build and make more uh, myself more visible. Or valuable, sorry. Uh, for context, I'm 24 years old. I've been working construction for about three years, and I've got a wife and a child to support, so I do have to be wise with my career moves. Good move. Uh, do you think it's best to stay the course with the duration of the apprenticeship and then reevaluate, or is it better to find a, a situation where I am more focused on one aspect of the trade, and even if it means leaving the good thing that I have going at my current company? Any insight is greatly appreciated. You're youngin. Mm-hmm. You want to chime in on that? I've got some thoughts, but you want to chime in on that? I would say do it. You're young. Take the risk now? Take the risk now. I mean, he has a kid, unfortunately, but I think he can handle making some money on the side work even. Too. I, I'd agree with you. I'd also say, I mean, if he's got all these benefits, but the problem is, I guess, you leave, you lose all these benefits. I know, but you're right? young. You're young. If anything, you take the risk now. But then the other flip side, too, is why not keep what you got going on, which is safe and secure? And hustle on the weekend, maybe do a project here and there. Yeah, that's good. Every other weekend yeah, to dabble idea. into what he was talking about. He wants to mess around with concrete and framing and finishing and stuff like that. So get him an opportunity. But then that might affect his personal life too, because yeah. now He'd you're be gone all the time. time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if he could, I don't know. I, I think you got to go where you're feeling you need to go. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think, especially now with the economy, you taking the risk of leaving security. It's a gamble. gamble. I think it's a gamble. I think I would stay there and every so often dabble on a project once a month Mm -hmm. to get a flavor of what's going on there. But I think for the next year, I'd stay safe. Yeah. 
That's yeah. just, I, I think just now coming out of what's going on right now, and we're not exactly sure. And I know from the show, speaking to a lot of people that have reached out to me, there is less work going on. Yeah. And these are the custom resi guys that I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's commercial. That and is, that's commercial. So yeah. you're, you know what? Recession proof benefits. Yeah. Keep it. Keep mm-hmm. it for the next year. See, you've been at it for a few years right now. I would finish the apprenticeship because then you have that already. Yeah. And then you have the benefits still. And dabble once a month or maybe once every two months mm-hmm. and try to see if you can get some side projects yeah. through connections. Through mutual connections or subtrades through there, right? That's it. So uh, that's my, that's our two cents here. Yeah. Like, that's what I would suggest, <laughs> man. Uh, if you don't agree with it, you can send a complaint letter to Justin. <laughs> you can send it to me, but I probably will not read it. I'll only read these nice letters that people say they, they like to show. Uh, no, I totally agree. I think it's like, stay safe, man. Just, I think it's secure. It's, it's a lot better for the wife and for the kid and everything like that. Look at that, eh? What's going on there? Jeez. Holy Friday. cow, eh? Is that an Android? Can I? I it is. Answer it, if you want to answer it. No. Is, is there someone calling at the time? Yeah. Really? Answer it. No. Let's get him on the show right now. Hey, how's it going? Good. Here, wait. Everything good? Everything's good. I'm just on a podcast currently at the moment, like live right now. Oh. He told me to pick up. Who are we talking to? This is Mitchell Hanley. Hey, you want to do a shout out? Do your shout out for your company. Yo, what's going on? This is Mitch Hanley from HW Building, Custom Builds and Barry. Look us up. What's up? It's Manny from Look TCL, Construction Life. What's going on? Also, North Temp, Inc., HVAC, <laughs> all of it. All the plugs. Get How many more plugs are you going to plug? Have fun, boys. Okay. Are you a GC or an electrician, man? You're cutting out. You sound electronic. Have fun. Have fun. Ciao. put that on silent. He's a GC? Uh, he's dabbling in building, but he does HVAC, commercial HVAC. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. funny. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> Technically, your title, architect, designer? Architectural technologist. That's the title. But I would say designer, I guess. So what makes you, when do you become an architect? Uh, a little bit more schooling, get my master's. Then you go through the apprenticeship and do your testing and licensing. And the difference is basically right now you can draw up to what square footage or what height? Uh, 6,000 square footprint, three stories, so 18,000 square feet. And then max three story. I've done bigger. And had people review my drawings. Before. Do you get a yellow card if you go over like a foot or something? Like, <laughs> no. how does it work? Do Three stories, like defined as like above grade stories. So I couldn't do like a four story building. But technically, you can go down because yeah. I've been told through the code you can dig as yeah. deep as you want. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't apply to the code. Yeah. You could do a custom home with six floor underground parking. Do you ever want to get to the point? No, where? no, no. I always knew I was going to do custom. But these days, like Justin. How can we live in 6,000 square feet, Justin? <laughs> it's a family of four. You know well, it's 18,000 square feet. I can. Yeah, do. how do we live in an 18,000? Wait, 6,000 per floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. cow, man. So it's a 600-meter square footprint that I can do. Yeah. So And there's ways around it to circumvent and code. You could put like a fire block wall essentially and split the building out. So I could do like townhomes that are a bit bigger, you know? Yeah. So those are huge units at that point. Yeah, exactly. So what would be the reason? I guess if you want to get into commercial and you start getting into McMansions, right? But even McMansions are 18,000 yeah. square feet. Yeah, yeah. No, but wait, you're saying 6,000 max footprint times three. Times three. 18, but you can't 000. do 18 footprint. No. Technically, no. I have, but no. Oh, you can. No. Not with my stamp, anyway. No, but yeah. you got to get somebody else yeah. on board. Yeah. Okay, that's a big house. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Small. so why'd you why'd you get into the game? Why'd you want to be a, a designer? I knew I was gonna be yeah. designing homes since I was a kid. 
picking up a pencil. I was drawing houses. My mom, like, we didn't grow up with money or anything, so my mom, she would get, like, the builder handbooks. Not the handbooks, but, you know, when they're selling a home, they have the floor plans in there with the model. Yeah, yeah. And then I would take those and, like, redraw the floor plans as, like, a four-year-old. Are you serious? Yeah. So I always knew. And put a trace paper over it or something? Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. And what were you like at four years old? I'm curious. You look at a floor plan and go, this doesn't work. I need to change <laughs> yeah, the year. Basically. What were you changing? It was more like tracing it and just like. Oh, so you just get a sense of it, yeah. right? But as you get older, you're changing stuff. And I started creative. doing that in the business where I would do a Photoshop and I would just screen grab the image of it. Mm-hmm. And then I would start moving all the walls. So you were rich. You had Photoshop. Oh, I know. It's Photoshop. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But now that's that's back in the days when you bought Photoshop and you owned it. But now it's all oh, changed. Yeah, it's the all membership subscription. Bullshit. I hate it. Fuck. All, all of my programs. Everything now. Yeah. All my programs. It's all money grab grab at that point. Oh, yeah, for sure. They'll never go back to the system where you just buy it one time. eh? Even cars. You hear about cars that they're doing that, too. If you want heated seats, pay pay 100 grand or 100 bucks a month. You got to do the upgrade. Yeah. It was BMW that actually did it for, like, GPS or something. That's stupid. (laughs) Everyone's just, okay, that's a script. Okay, all right. nothing, be happy. So in high school, you took drafting classes? No, actually, we didn't have it. Yeah. I strayed away in high school, so I was a bad kid you had issues yeah okay and then got out of school high school i always knew like the direct trajectory was still going to architecture yeah so i tried to find a way to get into it and i didn't know about what a bcin was i was i thought like you have to go the full-fledged architect What's BCIN stand for building code identification number i didn't know that okay because <laughs> you always have conversations you're like you tell the clients you know they have to have a bcin number and you're like going i don't even know what that means <laughs> so now i know what it means okay so then but you have a bc you have, i have a bcin yeah, yeah. because you a technologist can do that yeah right? they can do that got yeah. it so you do one test and it's good for life which is kind of nice what's the test about building code that's it it's just building code yeah that's it so if you actually work on a job site you'll get a grasp of this test and you'll pass oh yeah like I didn't even, technically, you don't even have to do architectural technology. I could have just wrote my test. I heard that. So <laughs> technically speaking, GCs can just write their test. Yeah, 100%. And they'll get their BCI. Yeah, I encourage it actually for GCs to do that. Why do you encourage it? It makes so, sense. Yeah, they get to actually read the code. And if they, you pick pieces here and there when you go through the process of building and see a problem. But if you actually know the code, front and back, like I read the code. Like front to back. Front to back? Yeah. I used to have it here under the table. It was yeah. just like, this is ridiculous, man. And you then you can you ask me what section I wouldn't know anymore. No, no, no. But if you get into generics, right? Yeah. I don't like sometimes when the city gives you your drawings, right? Your issue drawings. And all of a sudden, they, they give you all that generalization on the back there about stairs and walkouts and oh, yeah. fire, all that crap, right? And it doesn't really necessarily Pertain apply to you to drawing, or yeah. your project. But they're doing that because it's a parameter, right? The city does that or the this architect or designer? I think it might be because I, I have like a general page. Yeah, it's a general page. Details that yeah, might not always apply. added at the back end. Yeah. Right? I sometimes have that. You do it? You put it in? I've seen the city. I've never. Well, I don't know. You're right. It could have been all the architects. I bet you it was the designer. Probably the designers did that. Because I like to have that and you say, uh, uh, just look at detail A01-03. Yeah. And it's just a typical detail. That's already in the package, so I don't want to change it for every project. So just re- have a template. Recently, I had a GC. He, he he threw some drawings at me just to get my opinion on it. And the first thing I noticed is that it was two designers that were drawing the drawings. Interior designers. Two different interior designers? They were like a couple kind of team. Okay, yeah. Right? But it wasn't 
neither one were a GC and neither one were an architect. Mm. But I guess because designers can apply for BCIN yeah. as well too. Yep. So that to me was a red flag. I don't know why it was a red flag. It just it was a red flag to me. And then when I started going through some of the drawings, I felt a lot of little things were missing, mm -hmm. which we see that it's as GCs when you're on site. And you've probably seen it as well, because I have more respect for you because you actually get boots on the ground, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It's just like they leave it up to you. So when there's to a, interpret, to interpret. Yeah. And you get on site and all of a sudden, okay, well, how am I supposed to put this to like, how is this going to get connected? Especially when you get a designing, I guess, that's got interesting roof lines or interesting transition points from yep. rooms or what have you and then you got to leave it up to the gc to figure it out honestly i've heard that in architectural offices the gc has experience he'll figure it out really yeah they actually say it yeah wow yeah. now i'm disliking this office even <laughs> yeah. so but you don't you want to change that stigma oh yeah right? because it's not fair to no, us no no like it's our job to tell you how to build it why leave anything up to interpretation am i wrong to say justin that older buildings Pick your older building that you want. doesn't matter what city it is. If you were to look at those drawings today and gave it to a contractor today, no issues building that building. No. It's pretty laid out. Like, yeah. I remember seeing some archival black and white of architects hand-drawing all these drawings, yeah. and they're literally figuring out the roadmap of that construction. Mm -hmm. But at what point did we veer off and do less and give more to the GCs? I think when we could draw much faster, to be honest, like the computer programming of it makes you not think about it. Whereas Boy. drawing it, you're actually thinking while drawing, oh, that's not going to work. Erase that. Mm, a lot of architects, I would say, let the program interpret the detail too. Are we going to see a chat GPT architect program? I see it on my Instagram feed all the time pop up. But there's so many parameters to a lot and a design that I think it's too far away for chat GPT to penetrate this market. But are we going to get to the point where it's just going to be like, like someone's just going to AI drawings and spit it out, eliminate you guys basically. But yeah. that's going to create probably problems. It might even help us in the sense that, oh, this is like a Justin Sherry original, not chat GPT, you know? You're hiring the creative mind as opposed to just needing plans for a house. Like most of the jobs I do, people care about like the design. It's not just like, I want a new house. Typical floor plan, typical house. Okay, let's get into that. Are you really, <laughs> like, I don't, I get the sense that the homeowners care more about all these fit and finishing items instead of the overall. They get over the hump yeah. of the design of the home real fast. Yeah. And they want to get to the finish line as fast as possible. Is that not the case with clients these days? I would say it used to be like that. Okay. But I'm trying to penetrate the market of just like that higher level of quality and detail that people actually care about. The design, too, not just, like, the fit and finish of it. They think about the sun, path, and... Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are they actually doing that? Yeah. Because that's what we do. We think about that. Yeah, exactly. We figure out how... Nothing's better than being on a job site, especially after framing, and seeing what Mother Nature's contributing to the overall look of oh, the yeah. structure, right? Oh, Where yeah. you're seeing dimples of sun come in at certain points of the day, and you being on site for a 12-hour day or whatever it is, you actually see the transition. And especially when you build a house, you're pretty much going through four seasons. Yeah. So oh, you'll yeah. get a sense of how high the sun will be. But you can already do that with sun charts. You could already do that with yeah. you know, topical, all that stuff, right? Exactly. So you can already predict what that's going to look like. And there are programs that incorporate that kind of design, having a sun path in yeah. the program itself. But that's far and few. You don't see, that's like rare, right? I, I would go, say it's rare, yeah. I go back to the clients want to get to the fit and finish. Yeah. They don't 100%. care about that. There are some, and I try not to take those clients on anymore. 
they don't care, right? They just want a house. So what are, Justin, you got to tell me, what are the, um, the key things that client? okay, are clients kitchens and master baths? Oh, yeah. Those are the number one and number two. Number, yeah. They fight for number one and two spots. Yeah. Kitchens and master baths. Yeah. They don't care how kid how big the kids' rooms are. They don't care how the mud room works. They don't care. Like that, yeah, that, mud that, room's a big one. Storage. Okay. It's always the concern with every client. Is there enough storage? I'm like, well, you have six cold rooms, so I think so. <laughs> you got linen closets. You got closets. You got yeah. front closet. Every kid's got a double closet. In probably closet. walk-in closets yeah. now to match their bathrooms en suites. I would say like 25%. Are doing normal closets. Seventy five percent are walk in closets for every bedroom. What's a normal closet? Just a two by four? No, like six by six. Oh, like a typical closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, four foot small. I would say two by five, six feet. Listen, man, I grew up with like two by four, one single door you had a closet. Yeah, we had a closet. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it feels like they all have walk in closets now. They have every en single one. Yeah. Why are and we? And if so not an ensuite, a Jack and Jill. It's, it's not, they, they, yeah, which yeah. I actually like. The only problem with Jack and Jill's is that now you got to tell the client you're going to pay for pocket doors. Yeah. Unless you want to have this whole swinging thing going on between yeah. both rooms there and then you're trying to figure out how to design because most of the time you put the bath shower on one side, you put the vanity and toilet on the other side, right? I always do like a two-room Jack and Jill. It's very rare where I have it just all open. Yeah. So that way if a kid's taking a shower, one of the other kids can use the sink still, brush your teeth, and have that other door closed. So you go in, double vanity, to the right, another door that goes into somewhat of a powder room with yeah. a shower. You get in with the clients talking about weight of water and bathtubs, freestanding tubs, placement where it is in the bathroom. That's not, so not much a factor. No, I mean everything's TGI now. Pretty much cares anything. It's I, funny in like you know, the building code. Yeah, <laughs> two by eights minimum for tiled areas. I don't remember the last two that, by eight floor I've done. Yeah, so that's that whole back sheet thing where you see it, and they're, they're talking dimensional lumber when everything yeah. is LTG. Yeah, and you're like, where? Looking back at the drawings, confused. Yeah. And then also, are we, I guess, in the bathrooms, putting 12-inch on center? For? For joists. No, I would still say it's 16-inch. 16 16 like the flange on those eye joists, too, are usually three and a half inches. Yeah, it's a two-by-four Or an inch and a half. And they're usually, what, 11 to 7 eighths? Minimum, yeah. They still get deflection because they make these rooms so long, right? Oh, yeah. And I would say the biggest problem is where there's an island. That's when you get the biggest deflection. No one thinks about the weight there. So on all my drawings, I... In the basement plan, I'll show the island outline on the floor above so the TGI designer can actually account for that loading. Yeah, because people don't realize that, first of all, that slab, depending on the size of the island, Yeah, one slab, depending mm -hmm. on the substance, if it's a granite, I think it's twice the weight. If you're going quartz or some sort of Caesar stone or something like that, yeah. it's about 800 pounds per that one slab. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got a monster of an island that's, probably even bigger so now you got two slabs in there and then oh by the way can we make a waterfall so now you want to add more weight on the sides <laughs> yeah. there they don't realize that no. and, and it's also, in the middle of the room in the middle of the room <laughs> yeah and then they also it's the remodeling clients that i have a problem with because those are dimensional lumber yeah and now you're putting all that weight on there yeah it will deflect it over will. time yeah 100 percent. yeah so you got to explain to them yeah i've had to sister two by tens that works to get a bathtub yeah Talk to engineers about that. Mm -hmm. um, like, I guess the go-to, you can, can you sit? No, you don't, you wouldn't need the sister TG. Joist. No, no, no. I've seen it doubled up TGIs before. Do you have to put material in between the two? Yeah, like pack out. Yeah. And then put the second and one in between. Bolt them through. You bolt can't them. drill through any of that. No. Oh, you can. 
to the TGI. Oh, like if it were like a structural member, no. Or if the engineer spec that. But at that could. point, why not just LVL it? LVL it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you gonna get your engineer? Uh, or you, you work with somebody? Yeah, I work with someone. Yeah. I just it's fascinating to have the engineers on site because you learn a lot, right? And, oh yeah. And a lot of the stuff is repetitive too, right? Yeah, you can grab that same detail, put it there type thing, 100%. So there was an interesting conversation that I had uh, with, I'm trying to remember now. I get older and I keep forgetting. (laughs) Um, It was actually this scanning company that we're going to do a show on soon where they do AutoCAD scanning. So they'll go into a structure and they'll map a whole house. Oh, yeah. I've seen them on Instagram. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very, very cool, right? It's not crazy expensive either. But I remember him telling me about a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit that was going on, I think, think it was new york how when they went in to start scanning a lot of the older homes the real estate agents were upselling the size of the property saying that it was bigger like we're talking about two or three sometimes 400 extra square feet wow because it's easy to go in and look at a room and go yeah it's 18 by 20 or whatever it is but it's not really 18 by 20 yeah and the reason that they were caught is because an engineer bought a house and he walked in and he was like this is not the size of the room on this drawing here that's being sold. And then he measured it and then he measured every single room. And then he realized that he was actually shy a few hundred square feet of what he purchased. Oh, wow. Because especially in a city like New York, yeah, where you're paying square foot cost. Yeah. So what happened was that the builder was selling these, like these were new structures and, and builders were selling the homes at a certain price because of the square footage price. Yeah. And then basically pocketing that extra money because he's getting extra money for selling. Yeah little bit of a scam right i see that honestly kind of rough man still still going on yeah i get a real estate listing and i'll measure it and i'll be like yeah you're 200 square feet more or less because thickness of perimeter walls don't count yeah exactly no it does count it's sorry it does yeah, count yeah it does count, it does count. Yeah. i know but it's not usable <laughs> but clients are upset that it doesn't it like it counts it makes no sense to them they're like well we're not using that space i go technically you are it's holding your home up and keeping your home warm yeah. and cool so it's, it is square footage. It's Unless you're strapping out for siding on top of brick, then it's like unfortunate that you're adding square footage, but really it's non-usable. I never liked when I learned early on that porches were never part of the original structure. Mm. So your face actually starts at the, the structure face wall. Mm-hmm. But then you get a lot of people like in Toronto and other smaller communities, they enclose that porch, run a duck light in there, <laughs> yeah. think it's heat, and now it's like yeah. a, a extra space. But then they put it on the market and they try to sell it as, square footage of the house but technically it's not yeah at that point if it's habitable and heated technically speaking yes at that point it is but it's still porch obviously yeah exactly right everybody can see past the shit all right i want to get back to design i want to what do you like when it comes to design like what is it i've always i've been seeing i've been paying attention to the evolution of homes especially subdivision homes right and I, i could tell you probably like 30, 40 years ago, it was literally a box. Mm-hmm. A box was a slight jet out for your garage, double, single, whatever it was, right? Yep. Maybe you go crazy and you put a little bit of a half room over the garage, right? But nowadays, I feel like there's so many steps and so many offsets and shifts. And are we doing that for visual simulation? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I, <laughs> I feel that those rooms are, are less functional at that point because I remember seeing, actually, I'll talk to you about that one drawing that, that GC sent to me. And I looked at the two upper bedrooms in the front of the house, and they were like this L shape because oh. they were L shaped balanced to the front. Yeah. And I'm like, 
where do you fit the bed in yeah. either one of these rooms? Yeah. And there's no place to put a proper size, double size bed in there. Yeah. So I feel like, okay, you get this dynamic on the outside where you've got a little corner wall, you got a little window. Maybe we do that stone, we do this siding, we do brick underneath and you're doing all these little different treatments, but inside the room is useless. Yeah. No, I see that often. So I think why are we evolving that direction? Uh, people like the word has been used pizzazz, add pizzazz. Like if you're spending $2 million on a custom home, I want it to look very different from all the other homes. So let's, let's do the jut outs, but like true people who like design can see the simplicity in a box and appreciate it. So I like more of that design, but I do it for clients. I get paid to, but you're hearing it from them. They're asking for that. Stuff, oh yeah. They right? specifically say add more pizzazz. Like I'll get emails being like, add but even though the room doesn't work. Yeah. But they don't know, right? They're looking at a drawing until it's built. They'll be like, why did you design it like that? It's like, cause you told me to. <laughs> but then you 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 kind of give them the parameters saying that this may not necessarily work yeah but then they're not listening to you at that point yeah and we do space planning so we do show them on the drawing the design phase this is where the bed should go yeah so we try to avoid any of that thinking on their part to say like where are we going to put the bed they already kind of have it in their head that where i drew it is that's where it's going to go and then what happens when they actually build the structure, they come in, they move the furniture in there and they realize that what you explained to them at the very beginning of this whole process is actually happening now. Yeah. And then, then what do they, they fault you or they fault themselves? No, they fault themselves. They understand. And they, I show them first design that I did that shows that it would be a little it bit simpler worked. and would have worked. Yeah. 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 And they'll be like next house. So they're not designing for forever homes. I would say I have like 5% forever homes. How young are the clients getting these days? Like, what are It's they? weird, yeah. It's weird seeing people my age like with money. Making being, these decisions. And to, making these decisions. But they're making these homes. decisions on homes that they're only going to be there for a few years? Yeah, I think the perspective of home ownership is different now, for sure. It's an investment vehicle, so people flip. And every conversation we have is think about the resale. So nobody wants to take a risk on anything interesting? No. I mean, they do. Interesting gets you more money may take longer to get it, but definitely. You have to find a specific client that's going to want to buy that now, yeah, right? exactly. So, like, people, there are people who come to me and says, we only want one bedroom. I'm like, do not do that on a custom home. What do you mean we only want one bedroom? They're just single, no kids, one bedroom. How are you going to sell that? You can't sell that. Exactly. So, there's that perspective. I'm just like, yeah, make it bulletproof. Put three bedrooms in there. It's going to sell. So, you still have to be conscious and explain to them yeah. that. I go, listen, guys, if you, get, if you do stay great. Yeah. But if you decide five years down the line, 10 years down the line, you're going to want to sell and anybody's going to walk in here, they're going to be like, there's only one bedroom. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be hard to sell, harder to sell. Yeah. So I always propose like throwing an office from your perspective, but it's a bedroom or throwing a den, TV room, something like that. Are you outfitting the basements already going into new construction? I'll outline it even if they don't finish it. So that way we know where to put structure. So it's good to finalize design that way. And then I guess... Part of the budget you're already running roughs yeah like i don't include yeah for design fee i don't include the basement okay it's part of the package got it yeah okay so back to the kitchens and the bathrooms so what are the clients asking for in the master bathrooms what do they they definitely want a separate tub they want a large shower piece. yeah 
Right, so it's a five-piece, right? Steam showers are popular now. They're getting popular. Do they realize that you got to get a full glass enclosure now, <laughs> yeah. and you got to figure out where the generator of that steam shower is going to go? Yeah. You got to figure out which brand to go with because different steam showers have different size steam generators. Oh, there's so many out there. All this wow. crap, right? I don't know. So, yeah. but they don't they don't factor all that no. stuff. And plus, they they make a little bit of noise, so you can't park it right next to your bed wall or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Do Flush. they think about all these things? No, no, no one has the foresight. Until they're told. Yeah. So it's good, like, having the experience building. Because, honestly, there were things that I would miss, admittedly, before not building. It's funny, though. I always find it funny that the clients are, most of the clients, I can assume with you, it's the first time that they're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But yet, they've gone to the Google School of Design Building and YouTube Watching School of Design Building. Interesting. Yeah, and Pinterest design of school building. Yeah. And they, they feel as if they know more than you know since you've done it more than once. Yeah, I know. I get that. So how do you communicate with clients that way? Because we do it on a daily basis. Yeah, we kind of price accordingly, knowing that it's going to be like that. Because you know there's going to be revisions. Yeah, and it will be. Lots of revisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you know what? My first design will be what I think is best. And they'll be like, no, 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 let's move this. Let's move this. Four months go by. And then we go back full circle to draft one with minor tweaks, obviously. But usually that's how it plays out. Because I do it every day. I, I know. Do you ever get a client that's actually did all the homework, everything's lined up, this is where we're going to go, and we end up in the same spot that we always thought from the original time? That doesn't exist, right? No. Because there's so many options out there in the market now. It's too many options. Even building my own house. I just finished building my own house. And holy, it's stressful as an architect or You didn't designer. end up where you started? No. Uh, actually, I did. Okay. But that process did take a long time, choosing everything. And I did that on purpose to know that I'm not changing a thing. Like, let's not make revisions here. Like, it's ICF2 all the way up, so there are no changes to be made. Oh, you're kind of fixed at that point, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah, why did you choose ICF? Rules, compliance, regulations. These are super critical things. We use tools that require high safety standards. We have to meet compliance and regulations at all times, not just for governmental issues. But actually, if we don't, we're risking our own employees. Every tool requires a different kind of training and understanding of how to operate it safely. Every rule needs to be fully understood, who's qualified to do certain jobs and who's not. All these are important things we managers must take care of to keep safety high at all times. Now, Getting it done is way harder than talking about it. But luckily, there's a platform I found that can help out with everything I just mentioned. A great software called Connect Team, which has training and quizzes that you can build in any way you'd like to make sure your employees always know how to handle a certain tools. You can see who's done a certain course of quiz, who didn't complete it and can't work with a certain tool until they do. You also have the ability for an update if there's a new regulation you need everybody to be aware of ASAP. And also an easy overview screen to see who saw it. Plus, their schedule allows you to add limitations for certain jobs. So if one of your employees is not qualified to do a certain job, the system will automatically notify you about it. The platform offers a lot more, such as easy access to playbooks or hazard reports. Just check them out for yourself. Connect Team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial. Try them today by checking out the link in the show notes. It was during 2021. So lumber, so was, lumber was insane. Yeah. ICF made more sense. Yeah. So it was like equal cost. At that point. At that point. So I might as well have gone. And to be honest, I don't think I would change it. Do it again. No, do it again. I wouldn't do ICF necessarily. You wouldn't do it? No. Why is that? 
I don't know. I just think limitations on the well. I guess you got to start rental. limitations. Hundred yeah. percent. If I went to Reno, it's a that's a teardown. Yeah, that becomes more challenging, right? You got to yeah. commit to it at that point. You commit. How many square feet was it? Twenty eight hundred. So it's a good size. Yeah, decent. I'm not a big. I don't care about just rooms. Just like use the rooms for the purpose of the yeah. rooms, right? Like my kids' bedrooms are ten by fourteen, including the closet. Like I do built-in. I don't like closets. I don't like doors. I like seeing the millwork, so I have like custom millwork. So I like spending the money there, not the square footage. Yeah, it makes sense. So my per square foot clock cost is inflated a little bit, but I get deals here and there. <laughs> so then, okay, our clients, this, this is another gripe of mine, is that they all love these drywall return trims and trimless windows. And tr- like, do they realize what the world they're going to get into if they've got uncontrollable children and pets like yep. what's going to happen to those those details that are supposed to protect your home because those trim details were designed a certain way to protect use yes so do they quickly realize that you're going to have drywall flakes here because when you hit the wall here when you touch that when you knock that yeah they don't realize it until after the fact but yeah. they love that clean look yeah and i go through it with them too like before we used to be able to do that reveal detail on the the floor yeah with drywall you know the trim text reveal line shadow bead and people were vacuuming, hitting the wall, and dent. So I tell everybody now, bring it up, put a flush baseboard even, but make that poplar or pine or whatever so it's resilient. Yep. So that was a change. And then drywall returns, I tell people to stay away from drywall returns. It takes one cup to sit on there and destroy it. Yeah, it's done. So they have products like Trimtex has like returns that are plastic, which is a bit better, but. It's a bit better, but the problem, my biggest problem is the baseboards there. Like when mm-hmm. you are, because you are going to vacuum, you are going to hit its side. So all of a sudden yeah. now you're crumbling, right? So yeah. it's just, you got to, and I, I've been, I think I've been seeing more and more people using the poplar for the base point. And, but then you have to be a little more experienced to handle the transition regarding the space. Yes. But the other problem with the space is that you're getting clients asking for the space to be thinner and thinner and getting as small as almost like three mil or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you get all this dirt buildup inside there and it's very difficult to keep clean. Yeah. They don't pay attention to no. that. They don't get I it. like the flush baseboard because you actually don't get sitting dirt, but if like kids were knocking around and it's hard to clean yeah Yeah. for sure but i've routed out the back of baseboards before so that you can set your trim text a little lower okay yeah so you don't necessarily have to keep that half inch reveal all the time you can play with it but like you said smaller it gets the dirtier it's gonna stay dirty people don't understand how um things age no and you got to be a conscious of how they're going to age, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's just, I know that a lot of clients will not touch natural stone for whatever reason, because it will discolor with use and stuff like that. Or you can get some protectives on it. But a lot of people will go with the man-made stuff, which is just like, it's a bulletproof, but it's not bulletproof. Nothing in construction is 100% no. bulletproof, right? But they're being sold by salespeople that it's bulletproof, yeah. which is incorrect. Such a weird concept that people want like maintenance-free homes. Doesn't exist. No. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess that's why there's a trend for maintenance-free lawns where it's artificial turf now. At home, yeah. res- residential homes are putting turf in their backyard. Don't be lazy. Because they don't want to mow the lawn. Then they think, I guess, it's green at that point because you're not mowing the lawn. But what Looks was used corny. to make that product? Yeah, true. Lots of petroleum was used to make that product. Yeah. But, I mean, it also, your home looks almost like Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> like, it kind of looks like a you fabric. You can see it right away. It looks yeah. cheesy. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. right? 
It doesn't look good at all. And it's kind of weird if you've got a pet and they got to do their business on it. And now you got to hose it down. Yeah, I find that so gross. Just I sitting find there. it a little. But they, I guess it's like a battle of the future and convenience and what to, how to handle it. I guess it's. We're all so busy now. But if you, I don't know, just maintain the lawn. But nobody wants a yellow lawn. Yeah. If you're not, there's all kinds of crap, eh? There's a new movement of people like just avoiding lawns altogether. Wild grass, you know? Uh-huh. Or clovers. Have you seen that? It's true. Yeah, I've seen that as well, too. It looks good, too. But then, you know, you got to bring a hardscape or landscaper comes in and they come up with oh, yeah. shrubbery that works, that will grow. It looks like it's, uh, you know, at first when you get it all set up and it's done, it looks like the guy who's going to Turkey. And then when it comes back, it's like, you know, it starts to grow in and it looks yeah. proper, but that takes a few years. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden, they don't want to wait that period of time because we're going to be selling the house, but it's not growing in properly. Yeah, I agree. Oh, man. That's so one like, grape I have with custom home is like building there's no landscape incorporated unless there's enough budget there but it's always a land barren it's always at the end yeah and by the time they've already spent all their money yeah the house looks awesome but the landscape is just grass it's just a yeah, grass with patio stones leading up to the front and then they don't or even gravel still because they gravel on the driveway because they couldn't afford that as well too <laughs> yeah. but i mean no trees nothing are we still building i always found formal living rooms weird in residential homes it went away and then it started coming back again. Is it coming? Yeah, it's coming yeah. back now. I would say there's always like an extra sitting room now. Yeah, that we do, if the house permits it, the size of the house. But I feel like the the concept of less like open concept kitchen dining living that's kind of going away too. I feel like you you would need space for libraries or studies or offices like proper, not just converting some sort of closet into a, like a study or an office yeah. for a home office uh, application. Why not take the opportunity to actually build like a nice library and have some shelves? It doesn't have to be walnuts, smoking jackets, stuff like that. I'm just saying some nice millwork that's maybe painted a different color or darker color. Yeah. And that could be like a study room or an office room. That could be interesting instead of having a formal living room, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's just my thought process. Which could have an extra couch in there if you wanted. Yeah, that's all it is, right? <laughs> or you could actually put some music there and listen to it there and just like you're a little bit of a of a haven. Yeah. Separated yeah. off of yeah. uh the rest of the house at that yeah. point. Yeah, I I we do do that. Almost like dens. Call it a den. Do you get into a lot of conversations with clients about the extension of the decks and start adding a little bit of detail that kind of connects to the interior of the home because obviously you probably saw this over the covid years is that they wanted that extension coming out from the kitchen, coming out from the family room. They wanted that. Like people, I started seeing people put TVs outside there, started setting up little entertainment sections outside there and incorporating that extra space. Yeah, living say, space. going back to your point, like what's the most important stuff? Like you said, primary bedroom and kitchen. I would say that's third. That's the third the one. Outdoor extension from the living or kitchen, having a sitting area outside. Enjoying nature. Enjoying nature. Home. Yeah, yeah. So I always... Every one of them. And I don't like decks necessarily, too. I always do, like, a flat roof application then do a floating deck on yeah, top of which that. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if we, you're up, up on that, yeah. Yeah, if you have the elevator. Now you can use the space underneath as well, too. Alternatively, have a concrete pad and then have a cold room below. Yeah. yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I, I would say, yeah, every house still, we consider that as a priority. What's the most useless room that clients are asking for? Useless <laughs> room. Like I just found, like I find, okay, I think that more effort should be put into mudrooms. I don't think mudrooms should just be an afterthought. Let's just stick it in this the one little area, the side of the house, just because technically it's coming off the garage or the side of the house. It's technically a mudroom. Yeah. Why not? I've seen really interesting mudrooms. I've seen people use like, and I've built these before where you have 
beaded groove whatever paneling yeah. and then you put the handles on it or hooks on it and you can and then you have a bench down there with area to pull out you yeah. can put your footwear underneath and all this other shit right but I, I i've seen other people like pull out that paneling and you have more storage space behind mm-hmm. there it's like maximize that room whether that means to make the walls that are surrounding that area thicker, thicker so you yeah. can put some recess applications inside there yeah totally do that yeah i've seen like gone are the days forget about this white laundry plastic leg four leg setup mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that's your laundry sink like forget about that yeah Just try to make it and then have a counter and then i definitely think that you should put the two machines side by side i i don't i'm not a huge fan of the machines going up higher because then it's easier to get in and out of the door you don't like that i don't like that because you can't fold anything on top of it yeah but they'll have a folding station or next to it or something but if like you that. leave the machines lower then you have the folding yeah, section exactly. on top that's yeah. what i like about it right but, but they're bigger too right so if you have like a 40 inch counter, it's higher the ladies but then if you go the european style washer dryers they're smaller so they'll get down to like 32 33 no one wants smaller i don't know <laughs> but then i go back to like six thousand square feet and we're a family of four yeah like two kids and two parents so it's like we're not huge family you can do a full load of everybody's stuff in one load and one of those little guys right yeah but people it's a north american thing yeah oh 100 look at what people were accustomed to before one vehicle Small home, 800 square feet was kind of like the normal wartime home. Yeah. Our expectations are just too high. So when people complain about inflation and stuff, it's like, not necessarily. Everything just got bigger, larger. And people's just got to lower their expectations again. Have you done a tiny home yet? Yeah. I actually had a company called Small Dwellings that did tiny homes. How many square feet was the max? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. People always ask me, what's kind of that threshold? I thought it was... uh I'm going to call it tiny. I did small homes. So it's like, it's definitely under 600, no? Or is it a thousand? I, that would be tiny. Yeah. That's how I've seen tiny homes. Yeah. That's what I consider tiny homes. But like. you think, I don't know, I I had a Reddit post where I did a small dwelling and it was 800 square feet. Oh, wow. And people in Europe were blasting me for calling it a tiny home. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because that's technically not a tiny They're home? They're like, we were a family of four living in an apartment that was 400 square feet. This isn't tiny. This is luxury. So an 800 square feet, what were you fitting inside there? Two bedrooms upstairs, full bath. space kind of thing? No, it was it was pretty tiny. I got it on my website, actually, to yeah. look after. But two bedrooms upstairs, primary, no walk-ins, no en-suites, a shared There's bathroom. No space for that. And then downstairs was kitchen living, open. All open. With a powder room. And that was it. What was it on? Like a foundation or was it on piers? I did a four-foot frost wall, backfilled, and then concrete slab with radium floor heating got it yeah it's actually pretty cool that was my first house that i personally built and lived in and purchased like it was a i was 24 and couldn't afford anything that's why i moved that's up. what you can North. afford yeah. yeah what was the overall budget on that i built it for 180 grand the whole house the whole house including servicing the land. no the land was 50 grand 50 grand and then the including the servicing to bring it to there <laughs> yeah so you're bringing the servicing for the first time there, that area? Yeah. Well, no, no. They had the services there at the road, and then I would just you to bring it from there yeah, at that yeah. point to the house. Yeah, 180 grand. Still a lot of money, no? What? I don't. 180, 180 no. grand as my window packages now for some of the houses. It's true. It's insane. It's true. It's pretty cheap. 800 yeah. square feet. Yeah. For like the whole thing, we're talking like mechanical. What was the hydro? What was the cladding on the outsiding? I did a metal extruded, you know, like the farm style extruded. Yeah, 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 panel. yeah, yeah, okay. And then a little bit of siding. Pitch roof or flat? Like a mono slope, like a shed roof. 
Okay, yeah. So that's probably why the Europeans got all upset because it was European influence. Yeah. <laughs> but it Stop wasn't technically us. their size, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, that's why you guys are over there and we're over here, right? We're yeah. at least trying, right? Ikea kitchen. Okay. Don't knock Ikea. It, it's no, they'll sweet. last. Yeah. They'll, if you put them together well, they last. If you yeah. modify them a tiny bit, they'll even last a little bit longer. Yeah. And they're not bad. I like them. They're not, not bad. They've I'm got nicer finishes these days. Yeah. And the nice thing is so universal that you could switch out your faces on the cabinets whenever you want. Those sizes will never change. Yeah, won't ever change. So then two, three years or whatever, five years from now, if you want to change the look of it, you just go there and change those cabinet faces. Yeah, exactly. Keep the boxes. And all of a sudden, it looks like you have a new kitchen. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not knocking. And the price point wise is not bad. It's more expensive now. It's pretty crazy. I'm surprised that they, I think they caught on. Yeah. They realized a lot of people were starting to do it. Like yeah. I was actually really shocked on what their shaker version cabinet I think it was not the white, but the blue was like the most priciest version of it recently. Okay. And I'm like, why is it? Because it's the most, that's what's being sold the most. Everybody was going after that. So they oh, just nice. increased the price as a result. Because you can. It was a nice blue shaker kind of colonial trim inside. Yeah. And it looked nice. And I was like, well, why is that one more than that one? And then it's just volume. Supply and demand. Yeah. That's all it was. Greedy. What I don't like about them is that their prefab countertops. I, yeah, I didn't use that. I got my own counter, stone yeah. counters. They, yeah. they offer stone of some sort, but then it gets expensive. It makes no sense. But when they try to side, sell their slabs that are eight feet long or whatever, <laughs> say, and you got to do, do an L, then you got to put that joint there. And I'm like, a butt joint with a beveled edge? It doesn't work, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I've done it before for rental units and yeah. things like that. And I, I explained to the clients, this is going to be just grime, fill up dirt. It's yeah. just going to start. And you can put water. It's going to start to eat away at it. It's going to look like crap in a few years, right? Would you build them? Like the actual, I would cameras? end up, yeah, I would end up building and making them or convincing them to go stone or something like that. And yeah. then recently, actually last year, I did a concrete one, which was How was that? Cool. I've it, never done a it concrete. It was, it was, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. You I, personally like yeah. actually formed and poured yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, well. There's a form actually out of Hamilton, a forming company that sells this product out oh, of the cool. States that uh, you just break it off. Oh, cool. Right. So you build the form up and they have a plastic reinforcing mesh that you put inside on these little clips. So you keep it in the middle of the joint of the concrete. Hmm. Your your minimum thickness on the field is about an inch and five eighths on the edge becomes about two and a half. So you got to Here's where the Ikea and that thing didn't jive. Mm -hmm. So the problem is that they tell you that you're supposed to put half inch cement board on top of the Ikea cabinets. And that's more than enough clearance for your doors to open up. Mm. That's BS. <laughs> because you quickly realize that when you try to put the doors on, they don't fit. Because that two and a half overhang lip, it impedes the doors from actually operating. So I had to adjust all the doors down with new holes, right? Oh, really? Yeah, which was a bit of a pain, but we weren't talking a lot of cabinets. We were talking one one corner cabinet, sink cabinet, and then another two cabinets on the side, and then another smaller cabinet. So six, seven cabinets have to be adjusted that way. But you could do like... Knowing now, you just do risers on top of the cabinet. I would do not half-inch cement board. I would do three-quarter plywood. Yeah. The problem was that they didn't recommend plywood uh, because if you do plywood, you have to put plastic on it because then the concrete won't soak or the plywood Mm. won't soak all the water. And then you're going to crack, right? So that's why they want the cement board instead. Mm -hmm. The cement board actually did give you a better finish. But you could do the riser, then the cement board on it, like a quarter-inch ply. I would do it that way, knowing that. If I was yeah. doing Ikea and I was doing that, because cost-wise, it almost made sense. Like, the raw material to create that countertop was about 700 bucks, And then it really? was it was one day to pour, right? Maybe half a day to pour. It wasn't that much. It was like uh, one section 12 inches and then stove, and then another section that was probably about 
seven feet long and then another l-shaped section that was probably about five feet long mm. right and that was about eight buckets mm. so each pack is designed for one bag of regular sacrete cement or quick set cement yeah then you put their additive in it and you mix it up with the right amount of water and then you pour it in so it's like eight buckets of cement wow and then you just pour it in there you do your passes with your steel trial or your magnesium trial and then you let it cure. You, the next day I come back and you just give it a light sand with a, with a sanding pad. Well, next time I'm going to call you. I got a quote for my house. 30 um, grand. To do concrete? Concrete counters. For my vanities too. But still, 30 grand. Oh, man. Like this This is out of... I'm trying to remember the name of it. I mean, but it was... I, I was impressed with the... So they have different plastic form edges. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is when you form it and it's done, you let it cure, you snap it off. Nice. Done. And it breaks off. So the part that's underneath that's secured to the actual cabinetry ca- stays. Uh, stays in the cement. Smart. Right? So then you just snap this off. It's designed to actually snap right oh, off. Smart. And it snapped clean. It was good. You got to do a little bit of MacGyvering on the sides when you have an open area like a stove or something like that. Yeah. And then a little bit of a, a d- detail design if you've got a, a, a countertop that goes to an end and it wraps around yes, a little piece on the wall there. But they right? must have pre-made corners or something You, like you that, just yeah. make it. You miter it and put it together. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it wasn't that difficult. And then you just, you tape it up a little bit, make sure it's all sealed because concrete will go everywhere. But I was I was uh, I was really impressed with the finishing of it, mm-hmm. and then you got to seal it. You seal it with a food grade sealer. How often? Well, they say it depends on how much use you get. Yeah. Right. But I would say you seal it maybe every year or something like that. Well, don't then, they say that about all stone? Really? Yeah. That, that you <laughs> Who does spo- it? Yeah. yeah. And then That's if, character. If you got stained, the beauty of it is if you have a stain on it, you just sand the concrete. Yeah. And then you seal the whole thing. Yeah. I so love I mean, concrete. Thirty thousand. Yeah. Like, because I, I did my floors too in my in house. concrete and concrete and then just epoxy not epoxy but polish them. It's amazing. Good. Yeah, I like that's it. stuff on the table. That's all concrete base. Oh, cool. Those different color ones. That's all from CGC stuff. Yeah, right. So it's actually I'm pretty impressed. They're doing a lot of that in the states where it's like they just pour it as a self leveler, but you can get them now as finishers, which actually looks pretty nice, man. Yeah, that is cool. Oh, dirt rock. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was really impressed with that stuff. That's cool. You can make your whole floor look like that. This is so popular now, eh? Like doing the concrete look. You know what it is? Because a lot of clients, from what I hear, they don't want large format slabs and ha- still have those grout lines. Grout lines. Or, yeah. So if you do this whole pour like this, you have no grout lines yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I like the look, personally. But I also think it's going to be trendy. Will it be harder to sell the house if it's that way? But if you're putting rugs on it. Yeah, I have rugs everywhere. Like it just, I don't know. It's resilient, too. Like I have kids and dogs. It's nice. It's they throw Pretty something on the crown. Yeah. I guess care. if you trip and fall, though, that's a different story, yeah. right? But you have to be okay with imperfections with concrete because concrete is But concrete. that's character. Yeah. That's called character. Yeah. I have cracks in two spots. Just hairline, too. Like, it's not bad. It's not structural. No. No, it's not, not structural. Either. It's not going to be like a gravel pit all of a sudden. No, no. 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 So how tech-savvy are clients getting these days? Are they asking for this whole home automation and cameras mm-hmm. everywhere? Are they prepping for all that stuff? Yeah, the higher-end ones, definitely. So they're they're aware automated. of all that stuff. Yeah, and they do their research. Some people just like the light switches to be the smart automation one, which I like better too. Makes sense. Like those things go obsolete if you look at like the home automation packages. What do you mean they go obsolete? Like their interfaces and all that. You go to a 10-year-old house that has home automation, you can tell its age when you're trying to click stuff on the screen. and It just starts to fail? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's why I like the interchangeable items of a smart home, like the switches that you can actually control from your phone. That one breaks, put a new one in. You just put a new one in. Yeah. I just feel like sometimes we're just over, over. based. I did, like, in my house, I don't care for that shit. So I just have, I have cool light switches. I love a 
Krypton, I think it is. Yep. It's just a square push button. It's not a switch. Yeah. And that's all I care about. Like, I wanted a cool design on them. But they have cool ones. Like, that's such a weird market. I, was, I thought about starting a business doing light switches because there's not a lot of options out there. Europe, there is. Yeah, in Europe, I got, actually got a couple. Forbes and Lomax looks pretty cool. Have you seen those? Yeah. Buster and Punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I ordered them. They were just a that little. expensive, though. 150 bucks a switch. That's expensive. <laughs> I know. Even, like, <laughs> when I was going into some decent switch covers, just ones that are slightly curved. Oh, yeah. To, and they're screwless plates. They're like three times the cost of a regular plate, right? Yeah, I would still say my switches were still expensive at like 80, 90 bucks each. Wow. Yeah. But luckily, it's not a huge house, so it wasn't crazy. But it's such a weird market. Like, there's nothing out there. But everybody, like, these days, it's all accent lighting. They want, like, this mood lighting design for when we're sitting in the dining room. Mood yeah. lighting when we're designing, we're in the kitchen. People, I, I get the sense, and you probably see it more than me, do people still understand that the kitchen is a functional room? <laughs> yeah. Like, do they realize that there's a purpose for under cabinet lighting? There's a purpose for task lighting above. There's a purpose for yeah. pendants over the island. There's a purpose for all this lighting, right? Yeah. It's not We're still methodical in the design talking yeah. about that. But yeah, that is a point. People want that moody feel. But yeah, we make the point to be like, hey, you got task lighting here, under counter lights there. So when you actually want to cook and prep and get <laughs> yeah. things ready, you want the lighting to illuminate the areas that you want to work for. Yeah. I'm guilty of it too. Like I like the toned down 3000K, 3500K warm lighting. I'm just, I've gotten to the really anal where it's like, can we all get on the same page here when yeah. it comes to Calvin? Yeah. Right. And not the guy, not the Calvin and Hobbes or anything like that. Calvin <laughs> with a K, right? I just like, can we all like make sure that clients finding one light from Amazon, one light from Etsy, one light from Wayfair and the temperatures are completely off and then you install them and then you look at this house and it's like, what's going on here? Oh yeah. Three thousand K here is not the same three thousand K there. Yeah, hundred percent. Do they are they aware of that? Because that's no, that's just us, right? It. We're yeah. professional that way. I think we would only see that. Some like if it was noticeable and it was a white light, then yeah. Have you seen like some are so cheap from China that you turn it on, three thousand K, you turn it off, turn it back on, it's like forty five hundred K. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's it like changes. It just changes yeah. on its own. Yeah. You gotta wonder what else is it doing? seriously like i just is it admitting something that you don't really want it to admit it right yeah i just i just do your homework and find ideally i guess the best thing would be to choose one manufacturer i guess all of your recess lights should be connected to the same manufacturer that's doing all your strip lighting for accent yeah like those details like go to one store yeah and, and choose your lighting and then choose finished hanging fixtures that you can get light bulbs that will have a similar color yes. temperature because there's most likely you're not going to have the exact same temperature yeah but you want to but get something close. 3,000 to 3,100, sure. Yeah. 3,000 to 4,000, you're going to see a difference, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I just like, there's a lot to consider when you're doing it, but I always revert right back to the function of the room. What yeah. is the purpose of the room? Whether that's a linen closet, walk-in closet, mud room, bathroom, family room, what is the purpose of the room? Does your house have pot lights every four feet? No. Okay. It doesn't. I, and I, I've had this argument with electricians over and over. I don't care about you creating a symmetrical pattern yeah. on the ceiling. I want those lights to be functional. So yes. they have to be like, a, you. It's it, they think you run over their electrical dog when you explain to them that you want one light for the stove, one light for the refrigerator, one light for the sink for task purposes. Yeah. yeah but then they like, it's going to go there, going to go there. Yeah. But you're messing up. I go, dude, 
I don't walk into the kitchen and stare at the ceiling. Yeah. I walk hey, into that's the kitchen misaligned. and I stare at the lumens that are coming down and illuminating all my workstations that yeah. I have to work on. Yeah. That's what I look at. Yeah. But they get so upset about yeah. it, man. And like, let it go. Let it go. I kind of don't like potlights anymore either. Just for that purpose, too, if people are thinking about lining it up. But the task-specific spots, I like the LED strip lighting that they do now, like embedded into the The strip ceiling. lighting is like, yeah, it's but pretty it's, cool. it's more money, mud. Yeah, mud in. If you, there are track ones yeah. that go on the face of it. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to do mud in if you're spending that kind of money already. But then if you're doing that. And it's nice to replace. You just it's take out the replace. tape and then put new tape in, LED tape. I like that it wasn't like... It wasn't that easy all that long ago. Oh, yeah. All these companies were, they're all cowboys just doing whatever they wanted. Nobody was kind of being interchangeable. Where can we please get the accession little channel shit, similar size? Can we all make them 19 yeah. mil, yeah. three quarter? Can we all? No, no. One manufacturer is doing a 12 mil. One manufacturer is doing 19. And then you're like, you got to stick with them now. Yeah. yeah. And then for the rest, and then all of a sudden that company goes under. They don't make that strip light anymore. And then for whatever reason, if there's a problem, you got to change it. Then you're taking it out. Yeah. But it's so cool now. Like it's even, better now. Even the diodes on them, like before the LED strips, you could see them. Now they have like clean lines. Like that no was diodes. my biggest problem when they first came on the market. Seeing like the diodes. Yeah. And then all the electricians <laughs> thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like, oh, look at the strip line. I was going, dude, I see dots. Yes. I, I swear I feel I'm like Godzilla out. looking at an airport at night. Yeah. Like it makes no sense to me, man. I know. I, I, I need to see a continuous line. And now it's all continuous Yeah. Lines. And now Only they're recently, getting, they're that getting was funky like, with color now, and I'm like, I don't like the listen, color thing. Keep it simple. It's not a disco, man. Yeah, your house is not a disco. Don't be. You might as well put a mirror ball. I see it outside too when they do the LEDs outside and then change the color for On the Halloween sockets. and then really, yeah, cheesy. I find that a little cheesy. Yeah. What are you recommending for cladding on the outside? Are we still going brick? People, is brick number one? Uh, no, it's not brick anymore. It's not number no, one anymore. I would say. Is it because of they think it's old, or it's because it's expensive to install? It? I would say expensive. Yeah. So the, the that's the biggest the masonry thing. part of it, and I hate it too because they'll be like, "Let's do a little bit. Let's do the face, then return on the sides with vinyl siding." That we need structure to hold that. <laughs> yeah. so it makes no sense at that point. No. So what I are they choosing most of the time for exterior cladding? Everything's getting so expensive. Like it's starting to equal out. You know, like before you would say siding is the cheapest way to go. It's not. It's not anymore. Stucco is the cheapest way to go. And that used to be a little bit more of a premium uh, product in people's eyes, design-wise. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of stucco. I used to not be until, like, recently. It has to be done really well. Yes, really well. Yeah. But it's easy to do it not really Wrong. well. Wrong. Yeah. I know. It is a scary product. But I like how seamless it is. It's so clean. If done right. If it's done right, but I also, I'm not a fan of, like, sometimes you got the large walls, long walls, tall walls, and sometimes it's not been sanded properly. Sometimes, yeah. and then they'll say, listen, we have to put a joint here, mm-hmm. and then you see the joint, and the joint's a little dancy. Yeah. So it's, it has to be done right, but the thing is, now you start you start paying a premium for it to be done properly. Yes. Well, it's like everything. Every trade has their premium aspect to it. And the other problem I have with stucco is that when you get it done, and you haven't finished your landscaping... You get all that, oh, that dirt, dirt, yeah, the dirt stain, yeah. and then you got to try to wash it off. But you got to be careful how much you wash it. You can't just throw a pressure washer right <laughs> yeah, on it, yeah, really clean, right? So, so it's soft, just, there's so many. I, I guess yeah. And then I, there was a little bit of a trend for porcelain slabs at some point, and I was like, this makes no I sense. I never did that. I, no. It made no sense. I think the porcelain slab industry just wanted to try to figure out another application for their product. Oh yeah, but I've never been, and I've spoken about it. I'm not a fan of porcelain slabs for countertops. Mm-hmm. You may think it's cheaper. It's more work to fabricate, yeah. and if you chip it damage it good yeah. luck you'll never Just repair keep it in the shower on the floor 
simple. Yeah. From one corner to the next and <laughs> the whole thing. And, and most likely you're just going to wash it, scrub it, put sealer on it, wash it, clean it, yeah. and that's it. That's done. Yeah. But the countertops, no, no. man. I did cords in my uh, shower. Yeah. In your shower? Yeah. <laughs> just, well, a white, it, like, just a white slab. Three quarter? Uh, half, actually. Half inch? Yeah. It's pretty cool. They cut the well, I don't know how you? it's going to. Yeah, they did everything for me. Almost similar to kitchen, right? Like on site. It's the same thing. It's just on yeah. site and they just drop it in place. Then the niches are flush, like same material and you get that nice edge. Always blows my mind that they just put globs of silicone on the back and just. That holds it, it, I know. It's like, it. what if this Done. falls over? Done. Yeah. I will literally die. But I mean, those guys do it all the time. So I, yeah, they know. Them. I was like, when the first time I did it, I was ready to just trial the hell out of it with a bunch of thin stuff. Just to make sure. Yeah. You don't need to do that, man. And the guy just like, clock, 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 clock. Yeah. And slaps it in there. Yeah. <laughs> Are people getting luxurious? Yeah. They're wasting all the water in the world mm-hmm. because they want all that luxury in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. They just want it. Yeah. There's Either no floors thought. are a must. All the luxury items are a must. They use, like, people, nothing to do with sustainability anymore. The concrete aggregates and construction industry is always evolving. With an ever-changing industry, it's crucial to stay up to date on the latest technology and techniques. Come to the Canadian Concrete Expo to keep your skills sharp and upgrade your knowledge to meet the needs of today's market. The Canadian Concrete Expo offers over 40 conference sessions, certification courses, stage presentations, and live large equipment demos all in one convenient location. February 14th and 15th at the International Centre in Toronto. If you haven't looked it up yet, go to the CanadianConcreteExpo.com and sign up for the newsletter to get special show offers direct to your inbox. Really? Not even a conversation anymore too much. Really? Yeah. It used to be. It used to be like 10 years ago. Not even 10 years ago. I would say five years ago is something to consider. But nothing anymore. The younger clients? Younger too. I think they're just getting fed up and honestly tired of hearing it. Is it because the price point or they're It's expensive too. It's more expensive. Way more expensive. Yeah. So yeah, people wish they could do it. Like remember geothermal came out and everybody's like, let's do geothermal. I haven't done a house. You'll never benefit from it. No. The person who buys your house will will benefit (laughs) from it. Yeah. And that's just a fact, right? Yeah. That's why it's never taken off, right? Yeah. So it's always considered maybe, but then when they see the price tag, it's like, no way. What's the, the alternative? The other here? problem I have with geothermal is that all the mechanical systems that are associated with it have longevity on them, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they'll fail the pumps mm-hmm. and things like that. They'll fail, and then you're repairing all those things at that point. Yeah. And then something yeah. like that's why I'm still a huge advocate, even though we've had so many plumbers on the show, and I keep on asking tankless tank or whatever. I'm like, I'll still choose a tank over a tankless any day. Yeah. I just, it doesn't fail. A gravity fed tank, not a power vented tank, tank, right? Yeah. Because that power vented motor will fail. Mm-hmm. Plus, when the power goes out, I can't use my hot water now. Oh, yeah. Nice things that all break eventually. So you got to think about different, but then I guess you get into the whole generator world and mm. just everyone's always worried about this and that and all kinds of stuff, but. Like having solar panels and. You ask, people are asking for that as well, too? At so first. At first. And then you tell them the cost. <laughs> yeah. You tell them that, again, you're not going to benefit. The person who's going to buy your house is going to benefit. Yeah. And there's no incentive to do it anymore. Government's not coming on and no. jumping on board. That's getting no, worse and worse. No reason at all. Yeah. You hear about like natural gas being banned here shortly too. For what reason? It's going to go back full circle to everything converting to hydro, electrical. That's the worst thing you could do in a city that runs off of useless streetcars <laughs> that consume so much hydro. That makes no sense. I think it was New York. Like every new build now. Electric? 
No, yeah, like a natural gas ban on them. Yeah. So, and I've been reading up on it, and pe- even, like, mechanical guys are telling me, like, eventually it's going to happen. We don't know when. That but. makes no sense. So people are going with heat pumps and all that. Yeah. So you're going to have units in every room now? Yeah, you could do it with the furnace, too, still, like a heat pump system. And I still have your ductwork run. I don't think that makes any sense, man. I yeah. don't think that's the best way to do it. Imagine the grid overload, too. Yeah, we're already having a problem with EV electrical. units. And yeah. yeah, so now you want to make your home EV, like yeah. electrical, too? That makes yeah. no sense. I know. You figure by now, Justin, like, I mean, as much as that fantasy that Elon had about the roofing shingles that were solar panels, right? Yeah. And I think I saw a video recently where a guy was installing it and they have their own membrane and I didn't get too far into the video or whatever, but he was installing a project with Tesla's shingles on it. Yeah. You figure by now the evolution of construction, we would have been able to create roofs that were just huge solar panel Seriously. units that you just crane right in this side of the roof, this side of the roof, and you put a ridge cap on either thing and that's the roof. And now that's self-sustained. You generate your own power. So you're the homeowner. It would make sense. Wouldn't that make sense that every homeowner was basically making their own power because of that roof and it lasted? Yeah. But do the higher ups want us to, No, they don't want that that because (laughs) that's the problem with, especially in Toronto, you can't completely get off the grid. No. What a stupid concept. eh? you do solar panels and you're still connected. There's a, there's a neighbor of mine in my neighborhood. He's got this whole house on solar panels on it. He's got the second meter. Bugs ahead of me that the second meter is on an angle. Like, it's not straight. Yeah. So every time I walk by, I'm like, just two seconds could have been straight <laughs> or whatever, right? But I'm like, I'm looking at the going, I don't know if he's actually benefiting or if when he sells that house, the next person's going to benefit. Yeah. And I don't know how it works. So, part of my ignorance, but don't you sell it back to the grid and then buy it back at a reduced rate? Like, it's not necessarily you're using your own power. And there's a life on the panels. Yeah. So they deteriorate year over year. Yeah, their efficiency. Would their drop, efficiency. Right? Yeah. So you you at some point are going to have to replace all these things, which I'm pretty sure is not going to be cheap. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a way to dispose of them too mm-hmm. because of the material that's being used on them. So it's just like, can we all, like when you start selling these green things, mm-hmm. can we factor the whole grocery list, not just the oh, no, pretty people stuff? People just want the full, f- the front, front end. So, I, I mean, on the inside, are we making really tight hallways now are we no i've no, said four feet minimum space are right the, yeah okay four feet kind of normal in our houses that we design nobody's doing wood burning fireplaces anymore i don't know I'm, are they i'm convincing people to switch it back i hate gas fireplaces i don't like gas fireplaces but then you get go back to the green argument i know but they still. think that fireplaces are very because you're sucking all this hot air out of your house i go for a period of time when you start, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but then you burn wood yes. and you, it actually heats, especially if you've got an open concept main floor. Yeah. It will heat that whole floor. If you are heating just strictly with wood fireplace too, yeah. I think it's the most sustainable thing. No? Yeah. Trees grow. And don't put the fire starter logs in there because that oh, material yeah, yeah. that's in it that. just lines your flu, yeah. your clay flu, and then all of a sudden it starts to, and then you're going to have to get a chimney sweep at that point. Yeah. If you actually just burn raw wood, clean wood, aged wood, not wet wood, yeah, it's just going to burn really efficiently. Oh, out. yeah. Yeah. Nice and clean. Yeah. I would say, yeah, a lot of, like 50% of the houses now are back to wood on the new designs. Really? Yeah. So people are understanding that. People like how cozy it is too. I like it. I like it. I have a gas and I wish we did wood. But now I have the mantle and surround cost twenty grand to replace that alone. I don't leave that. I like the standalone ones too. 
You know, the actual yeah, the room stoves. Ones, the cast iron ones. Yeah, yeah. those yeah, are awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. I know a, a, a trim carpenter friend of mine, he has it in his garage. So yeah. he gets it going, and then he's got his garage. It's like nice and toasty, and he works in his garage. That's where all of his tools are, and it's comfortable. And I'm like, dude, you're just like burning a log every so often, yeah. and it's comfortable in here. Actually, my father-in-law, he has a system, too, where his radiant floor is run off like an external wood-burning really? furnace, essentially. Wow. That's pretty cool. See, why can't we get those things implemented in no, the I system? Know. That makes no sense, right? No. The truth of it is that nobody's interested in actually saving energy. No. Not in North America. No. It's kind of sad. It is sad. I've joked with clients for like, listen, if you want to save the planet, don't build a house. Seriously. I, I hate the idea of like lead certification on 18,000 square foot homes. I'm like, it makes no sense. Like reduce, reuse recycle so the first one is reduce <laughs> don't buy a house that's eighteen thousand square feet it makes feet. no sense i know eighteen thousand square feet you got three furnaces if you're allowed the three furnaces yeah then you got three acs and you got imported italian marble and yeah was on a boat for 20 days <sighs> i hate the i hate the green industry i used to, i'm like a hippie at heart like i love it like the tattoos yeah 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 like yeah. i've but I used to want to just be a sustainable designer, but that quickly just went away. It's just trendy conversation, mm-hmm. and it's like I wish people would, if they want to speak up mm-hmm. and start talking about it, yeah, start backing it up. Yeah, hundred percent. I like don't even give me the argument about EV cars being better <laughs> for the environment, but I'm sorry, but you have the whole argument at that point. No, I totally agree. Right, and same with your homes and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, like, also don't be so conscious of water usage, but then have seven jets in your shower yeah. or a 20 by 40 swimming pool or a swimming pool heating that yeah where i see people don't even spray foam the ground before they pour yeah. the concrete so they can insulate the concrete yeah. so then you spend less right i'm gonna do an icf pool see, that makes a lot of sense yeah. that makes a whole bunch of sense yeah. right yeah. because you're gonna save so much on heating oh 100 when i've had conversations with clients about what their utility like their gas bills are mm-hmm. because of the amount of heat that they're throwing into that water and i'm like why didn't you Spray from the bottom. Seriously. Well, no one's even educated enough to think about well, it, too, right? Until after. Yeah, I'm after like, the shit. This but I've heard fortune. First year of construction, I was talking to spray foam guys, and I was like, the worst thing are pools. Yeah. You should spray foam the earth, the hole, make it a little bit bigger, spray foam all that, then pour the concrete. Yeah. You know what I do that for now? Basements. Yeah, you, best way to do it. 100%. You you'll completely see a huge seal. Difference. Yeah, you'll do a huge difference. Yeah, and just the vapor barrier completely sealing right to the edge of the foundation, and then you pour on top of that. But homeowners don't pay attention to that crap. No. And actually, price it out. It was actually cheaper than getting rigid foam board, paying the guys to lay it down. No, we've done it. I've done it before where we just spray yeah. foaming it. Yeah. Like, it was weird. It was like an open yeah, basement pit, like, and you're, like, spray foaming it, and yeah. you're like, okay, this is weird. But it made a lot of sense. 100%. And you're putting concrete right on top of I it. I never even thought about it. And one client showed me. I'm like, that's kind of the smartest thing I've ever seen. And you bring it right to the end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you frame the basement, and now yeah. you start tying your insulation there. Yeah. Now you've completely sealed the basement off. I've seen it where they actually go up the wall. Yeah. Like two feet too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense. See what 100%. I mean? But you don't get any homeowners coming up to us telling us that. Well, no, yeah. But I mean, like we you guys want to renovate it. your basement later yeah. on down the future, whatever you want to do down there. Yeah. Could be, well, if you want to make a rental unit. Yeah. You're going to save so much money at that oh, point. 100%. It's already done. So it's funny that you have like this battle, I guess, with clients 
some talking sustainability, some like they just want to trip these keywords. Mm-hmm. But in the end, they just really want their beautiful house that they could potentially sell in a few years and nobody wants to really stay put yeah. and think about down the line in future, right? Yeah. It's not like an end user type scenario. So yeah, you're kind of, uh, building homes is destroying the environment in general. 100%. Yeah. Even like the small dwelling concept, like that's why I started that was to be sustainable. Reduce your carbon okay. footprint yeah. by reducing your footprint. Yeah. But even that, like no one, gave a shit at all do you ever get a client who wants to like i was always fascinated by uh certain homes had all these secret rooms and shit like that <laughs> yeah. you ever get a client who's talking about how we want to make a fake wall here because we want to put a, f- safe a room, room here a safe room or something yeah, we want to have safe like, rooms like a hidden closet i built those before for clients before a hidden gun closet oh yeah so then you have like a beaded wall and you have no idea that that's a door that like you can't tell where it is where the door starts and <laughs> yeah. ends and I mean, like, I like those kinds of things because it's, like, it's little areas of the house that you can utilize the space. Oh, look, yeah. But, I mean, no clients are having conversations with you about that shit. They're not thinking that way. No, but I would say, yeah, some people consider it. Make the walls thicker for a purpose. Yeah. Avoid a bulkhead because you made this one wall thicker so you can run a lot more mechanicals through here with that. Oh, and there's a fault of mine before, too. Like, you design a house with no cavities for plumbing or to run any HVAC. Things. Yeah. So, but again, like, I, now I give dedicated wall spaces that are projected for yeah. 12 inches thick yeah. to allow everything to go through yeah. doesn't that make sense 100 uh, but you don't know until you do it the client are looking at it going but now we're losing that's waste space six inches of space <laughs> yeah. in our room but yeah. that makes no sense to me i know does someone actually notice six inches in a 14 foot room an engineer architect is <laughs> yeah. a gc would yeah. homeowners not necessarily no. once it's all said and done yeah. but now you have a nice chase for all your mechanicals to run yeah and you got to get a bunch of mechanicals so you've got and ductwork these days is almost mandatory that everything's always six inches if not eight inch mm-hmm. runs yeah so I it's don't like where you're gonna run that smaller yeah. you know then you got your toilet runs yeah you can fit a four inch pipe in a four inch wall no you always have that little, little bow a little bow right <laughs> you see it in every house you see it and then they put the metal plate on it that's really thick and it just bows everything out then you put the baseboard on it yeah. and you see it come right out and then the painter comes in and just cocks the hole now it looks seamless. It's perfect. I'm like, dude, I could totally see a belly there, right? Or if there's baseboard and they miter the back of it on the edge to butt joint around the, the curb. It must be challenging, though, right? Because you, you're, you're dealing with a client that has no sense of visual perception. Mm-hmm. And then you're presenting them drawings. Yeah. But I guess you're also presenting them mock-ups of 3D modeling to give them a bit of more perception on visual but they still don't understand it the way you and I and anybody else that's in construction exactly. walks on a job site and experiences like when you see a drawing and it's a four-foot hallway, mm-hmm. you know what a four-foot hallway feels like. You know where that wall is to you and this wall to you. Yeah. But clients don't really know how that works. Then they start figuring out, well, four feet's not enough because I need to put a piece of furniture I saw from yeah. someplace and I want to put family photos here. And now the four-foot hallway becomes three-foot hallway yeah. and now it's too tight. You have to have all these conversations with the client. Yeah. And you know, it's hard too because like interior design is not something people tend to pay for. And I think it's necessary to get that visual interpretation of inside seeing Before. a 3D render. Yeah. Because I've had things change based on a 3D render of the interior. So we used to like design and not show the interior because architects really don't do that aspect of the work. Yeah. So yeah. it's just the outside, pretty picture, floor plan. But then the they can't conceptualize the inside, the volume of space, anything like that until that render comes through. So I've had, like now that we do interiors too, it actually changes the whole process. 
Everybody, eight foot ceiling is not even a thing of the no. today. No. Minimum nine. <laughs> yeah. Ideally, ten on the main floor. I would say ten is like the normal. The norm. The norm. You know how tall ten is? I have people who want ten foot basements, but form guys are like, I don't have a ten foot form. You got to stock it up. Yeah. But you pay for that, right? But it's so weird. Why don't they have ten foot forms? I don't know how it I, works. I think I've forming seen them, wise, but, but, but the problem is the majority of forming crews don't carry that because they carry the nines or the eights because that was normal that's the typical what a lot yeah. of people are asking for yeah but it's just yeah i mean clients obviously they'll ask for 10 for the basement because they know the ductwork's running under there yeah. so they're already losing a foot there yeah so it becomes a nine foot basement at that mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. but it's just weird that it's just like homeowners come home and they they feel like almost something's on their head if it's an eight foot ceiling oh yeah imagine that and then with a beam some seven foot like you got a duck it's crazy how much it's changed. It's just spoiled, man. I, that's what I said. You lower your expectation. Everybody complains about how it's so unaffordable to do this, do that, buy a home. The houses on average now are 3,000 square feet. Whereas, like, I grew up in a 1,200 square foot home. I'm talking like I'm 60 when I'm 30. Yeah. And we had four kids and my parents. And yeah. It's just how we did it. That was a norm. You were sharing one bathroom, the yeah, whole one family. Bathroom, one shower. Yeah. Everybody that was has a shower the norm, now. right? So it's just, I think we're just spoiled and we continue to create this spoilness, yeah. right? Our expectations are way too high. I would say my generation, especially too. They have, look how many nice cars are on the road now. You know, everybody's lease payment is 1500 bucks. I don't see nice cars on the road. I see eight, nine percent interest rate lease payments. <laughs> yeah, That's I what I see. It's I don't, nice I'm not cars. impressed by a nice car. I'm anymore, not impressed right? by that shit, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't I'm make any all. sense to me. I know. But I guess everybody's AOC, like the honor proof credit. That's yeah. just as simple as that, right? Yeah. Uh, or sorry, OAC? Whatever. Yeah. AOC, I don't know. <laughs> but OAC. it's just, OAC. yeah, yeah, OAC. Yeah. So then it's just like, it make. but then I guess it transfers over their house. Yeah. And what do people do when they Pull get Pull a line home? of credit out? Yeah. Then but then they just drive home, drive into their garage, walk into their house. Yeah. And not use each room properly when you could probably use each room properly. No, I know. That's why. So, like, I, I would say on average my house designs is like 3,000 square feet. And people come in wanting four. Because they feel three is too small. They, yeah, the perception family of that of number is. Family of four. Yeah. But now I, I tell them, I'm like, I'll get a lot done in 3,000 square feet. And you won't spend as much. Like, isn't that the goal? Like, have a budget. And like, do, do nice things. Like, you go 4,000, you're going to blow your brains out on finishes, and then you're going to hate me, hate the contractor. You got to think about, like, okay, you're going from 8 foot to 10 foot. Now you got to go. Insulation. Uh, well, the extra insulation, the extra drywall. timber frame. So your studs are taller. Yeah. Um, now you got extra drywall. So it's wider drywall, or it's regular standard four, and then you have a sliver. Yeah. So that means it's two joints instead of one joint. You've got higher stilts. So it's like everything just keeps on compounding oh, yeah. on top of that. Yeah. So by the time you you ask for this ten, this extra height of details, about a fifty grand, probably even that, <laughs> if not say. more on the budget. Yeah. Because the budget for like a three thousand square foot house construction budget on today's terms, I think you're still at around a million dollars. Million doesn't go far. I mean, like on the custom. You're side. not doing the basement. Like if you're, doing you might be getting your bells and whistles in the kitchen yeah, and the master no basement. But sure. you're going bare bones on the kids' bathrooms. Yeah, there's no crown molding throughout the whole house. No, you're not going returns, drywall returns, and reveals and all that. You're no. not. No, you're, no, just normal. You're going shit. colonial. You're yeah. going pretty standard finger joint. Yeah, you might get lucky and go solid particle wood doors. I got a solid door. Yeah, <laughs> but you're not getting solid wood doors. Yeah. 
So it's just like, yeah, so you got to start factoring all that stuff. And then when you realize that, okay, our million dollar budget can get reduced to 800 if we go eight foot ceilings. Yeah. But I mean, are you going to be the laughing stock of your friend circle? We'll try to re- resale again, going back to that conversation. You got to consider that when you're spending that much money now. Is this house going to sell for the 1.5 I would need to get out of this wow. with an eight foot ceiling? Wow. So it's just a nasty effect, like that snowball effect. I'm just like making decisions based on, on stuff like that. So nothing is eight foot anymore for that reason. Everything's elevated. Like the design. Windows are larger. Oh, massive. Taller. So more glass. I would say I haven't done a house in so long that was like vinyl windows. Because you can't span the glass that big with those frames, right? So everything oh, jumps up. We haven't up. even gone into that whole world where <laughs> the back of the house is just all metal, which becomes all steel, structurally speaking. Oh, yeah. I think every which house. becomes like a nightmare when it comes to heating and cooling, depending on the face or the direction of the house. Yeah. Things that clients don't understand. Yeah. So it's like you almost open up this massive construction can of worms mm-hmm. when you start asking for all these extra little bit luxury things when pull it back a tiny bit. I know. It's maybe, changed. Maybe just go nine foot, but then still use windows that would have worked for an eight foot ceiling. Mm-hmm. So you're not paying that extra cost there. Yep. No, everybody wants floor to ceiling. But you're doing 10 foot, then you're automatically going to be asking for some sort of post beam waffle coffered in different sections or what have you oh, yeah, because now you want to bring the ceiling height down because it feels too high yeah and then it's just like why you you don't understand what's really going on here plus if you put a fireplace tv yeah, it, it feels weird when it's so far away from the ceiling height right yeah and then it just becomes an echo chamber <laughs> yeah i know i would say anything above 10 it's just crazy to me i think it's just too there's much. no i can't tell the difference between 10 and 12 like that feeling is still the same to me but I, I get the 8 to 10. 8 does feel small. It feels small. I think 9 feels comfortable. Nine's comfortable. I think nine's a good number for both floors. Yes. I don't... You could even get away with 8 on the bedroom floor. Yeah. If you want to yeah, do something interesting, put a tray ceiling or some sort of vault ceiling in the master. Yeah. yeah. And you could do that during the, the trust stage, right? Yeah, exactly. You could totally do that and get that little bit of volume size there. Yeah. Um, and that trend affects everything. Like the bylaws don't account for this demand of... Tall ceilings. No, they don't. So like Mississauga has like a 6.4 meter height to their eave. And that's in, like almost impossible to do with the heights. 6.4 meter? Yeah. So it's only like 21 feet, 22 feet to the underside Why of the Why do they do that? Just like I think they want to keep it. Everything at the same kind of yeah. comfortable. Yeah. So you see a lot of like one and a half stories in that area, you know, like with the dormer look in the roof. I've been seeing a lot of people taking the older homes from the 80s and parking another bedroom over the garage because the garage was always by itself, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a double-car garage. And then they end up restuckling the whole face because you'll never be able to match the brick to the existing house. Yeah. And so for the most part, the stucco is done well. It, it kind of works because now you're covering all that stuff and doing that. Yeah. But I just find it that, I mean, those homes are typically four-bedroom, comfortable-sized four-bedroom rooms. Now you're turning into a five-bedroom room because you're adding this extra one. My biggest concern is are they insulating it underneath properly from mm-hmm. the separation of the cold and the garage yeah. to the room because yeah. that's the biggest heat loss ever oh, outside of the basement heat loss. I would say like I demand people to t- spray foam. That yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you like want to save the world and about spray foam. <laughs> yeah. I get the chemicals yes, inside it, I know. but there's certain applications that make sense. Like you were saying earlier, the, the concrete slab in the basement, yeah. spray foam that. Yeah, you can't get that from bat. No, you won't be able to get or that. rigid foam tape joints. No, no, you can't. Hundred percent. Just spray foam and do the same thing with the garage. Yeah. Now you're sealing everything properly. And again, not having to do the walls like that makes sense to just keep it a bat system. Yeah. 
I think it's overkill doing spray foam. It's funny, foam. It, like I've, I think lately I've seen a lot of GCs, and it must have been an interesting experience for yourself too when you were doing your own home. That like the GCs are doing their own home, and all of a sudden they're making the same mistakes that clients make. Mistakes. Oh, I know. Like they don't realize that they're doing it. They're going down the same path that we've gone over and over, no. and we try to educate the clients to not make these mistakes, but we make these mistakes too. Because I guess we put the hat of a homeowner on, and then we start realizing yeah. that we're we just became as dumb oh, as there, dumb. There are budgets. Yeah, oh, no. there's budgets. We can't go that. <laughs> if we go nine, if we go ten, we yeah. like you go through every problem that we try to educate our clients on. Yeah, and they Why? don't want their creatures of comfort too, right? You don't want yeah. to change your process, change, put in new materials that you got to learn, do all that, so they keep it. So you're making money. What's the best way to make money? Is do it a hundred times and have a system. If you keep changing that system, obviously you're going to lose some money here and there. Wow. Yeah. But it, like I splurged on my house a bit. I didn't want to. It's just kind of what happened with COVID. I had a budget, but just fuck a budget when it was COVID. Right. But the materials were killing you as well too. Cause all the, Oh yeah. I was buying out. three quarter plywood, hundred dollars, $120. It was like the peak. And what am I going to do? Leave my roof, o- roof open for two weeks. No, you gotta pay it. Like that's how much it fluctuated. It was like weeks. It's like, should I wait a week? It was crazy. I saw that. I saw lumber packaging doubling. It's crazy. Like, I get a trust package now. Luckily, lumber's back down. It's crazy seeing what my trust package was and what I'm seeing today on the most complex house I'm designing and being equal. I did a flat roof. It was the same trust the whole way. And it was like 40 grand. And now these people are paying like 18 grand for 4,000 square foot home. I I believe it. (laughs) Crazy. Commodity, man. They were greedy then. They enjoyed it. They made a lot of profits. A lot of people retired. They had their nest egg. It's all good, whatever tradespeople were not charging more for their services they were just pleading with the client to pay the extra yeah because we need to get the roof on we need to keep moving forward can't leave this shell open like this yeah it's a shame a lot of homeowners got hit hard during that whole process right now it's somewhat kind of leveling out but not really it's still expensive yeah it is labor is crazy now is it getting expensive it's crazy really yeah everybody all younger the younger guys are asking for more money oh yeah well we got to pay for six thousand dollar mortgages now you know, like they're buying into market. Like that's why I like hiring the older guys because they paid off mortgages. They don't have any commitment, financial commitments like that anymore. So they're priced. Well, the younger guys are doing that arithmetic where they're calculating what their lease payments are on a hundred thousand dollar pickup truck mm-hmm. that they just bought last year, mm-hmm. what their trailer costs are, what yeah. their storage unit costs are, what their brand new tools costs are. They're like factoring all these numbers, no. in, and then they're yeah. going, "Well, this is my hourly rate now." Well, yeah. because you, you dictated that, you overspent <laughs> on your business yeah like it doesn't i shouldn't be paying for that there is a perception though with people having a nice truck nice tools and all that so it's hard to argue that because i do it personally like i find line on what nice is yeah true but i wouldn't like seeing a denali come into the driveway i would be like ah i see a denali with like illuminated underbelly and spinners on the tire (laughs) yeah i got a problem with it yeah Right. If I see a Denali, it's just black, clean, simple logo and a trailer on it. Yeah, sure, that's okay. Makes sense to me. You're pulling something. You want a brand new truck that's pulling something that makes sense. Yeah. And you need to make money. You don't want to have any headaches. Great. Yeah. 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 But also, I would still give the guy who's got a 10-year, 20-year-old truck that still runs well. I mean, mm-hmm. I, w- I don't want to see Uncle Buck black smoke coming out of the back or whatever. Yeah. But if but it's clean. If that's it's clean, the perception. If it's right organized. There. If I look inside the cab yeah. and it's not just take out land all over the place yeah, and true. tools and all that shit. Yeah. Then I get it I, like, okay, this guy I respect. If he yeah. comes out and he looks presentable, I respect. Yeah. Yeah. Then it becomes a conversation at that point. Yeah. But there's something psychological behind it. When people show up in a nice car and you're like, you do well, I'm going to hire you. It's true. It's true. 
Like they don't think about it too much, but your perceptions already changed right off the bat. How many site visits do you? Oh, well, too many. How often do you bring the clients on the site to get like it? Do, doesn't it make sense to have these clients on site to have these meetings to have these discussions mm-hmm. where you're like, let's start visualize, let's get into the space here. Doesn't yeah. that make sense to do that, or yeah. do they want to just come into your office and look at your drawings and sit down in the boardroom and all of a sudden look at drawings opened up? No, we do that. Okay. But during the construction phase, definitely I go visit, there. Visit. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just excited, as excited as they are. To see things to see. Yeah, like yeah. this is my baby. Like I created this. It's wild seeing it go up. So obviously I want to come. But I know that on, when you were on the other show there, we talked briefly about this, how that's not the norm for architects. Right? No, no. They don't like coming on sites. No. I don't understand. There's a funny stigma against like designers and architects with being on construction site? side of it. Yeah. Well... You'll get the stigma from me if you refuse to put any safety footwear, at least. I don't care about a a lid. Yeah. But if you want to walk around in pumps, and I'm speaking to more of the designers and homeowners, then I have a problem with it. Yeah. Because it's risky. It's dangerous. Yeah. And it's your liability. And it's liability. And it's a disrespect to all the trades that work in there. Yes. So it's like the the least that you can do is safety footwear. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to buy a house. Spend 200 bucks on buying a pair of safety boots. Keep them in the back of your truck or car. They don't have to be boots. They could be shoes. Yeah. hundred percent. That's it. But is that the same thing with the architects and the engineers that they don't want no, to? They're dressed all fancy and got the suits. And, yeah. Then buy a pair of work pants or something <laughs> like that and just get on the site. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why they just don't want I shouldn't to generalize, too. There are some of them that are actually respectful of that. But, okay. So, is it is it because most of these homes are being designed and built almost so similarly that they're like, I've been on this site before. Yeah, I know. I've been on this site before. Yeah. Like, nobody's really doing anything different, interesting. I'm not saying that you got to go ballistic and change something. Yeah. Like, dramatically different, right? I'm yeah. just saying that, why don't we just try some things that are different? Mm-hmm. Why do we have to have, you know, it wasn't too long ago when the government started implementing subdivisions being built by four or five different builders because they wanted the homes to look slightly different. Instead oh yeah, of having a whole community being from one builder. That's like currently mandated to do that. There was a rule that came in to do that, oh, wow. where on one street you couldn't have the same builder, and there because what does a builder have when they're doing subdivisions? Maybe four or five Mod. designs, mock-ups, right? Yeah. So you can choose mock one to five or some shit. Like same that. floor plan, different elevation. Exactly, <laughs> that's all it was, right? And yeah. so then it would look slightly different. But then they started getting complaints, and I think this was going on in either Oakville or Burlington saying that we need to mix the pool a little bit. So you brought different builders coming in, so they would take care of this lot, then they would take care of this lot 10 houses down. That's a very smart idea. It kind of makes sense because now it starts to look more like urban, like downtown. Yeah. Makes sense. It's almost depressing when it's just like... It's the same home over and over. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, then there's that joke about you coming home and you drive into your neighbor's driveway because you thought that that was your house (laughs) because it looks so close to yeah right so no i don't know i'm pretty sure someone told me it was like a a mandate that they put it in oh cool but all all they did was i think bring in four or five different builders Mm -hmm. and now it just became like okay yeah builder a builder b builder c like it Mm -hmm. just became i think we need more variety oh i think so that's why i like strictly do custom homes and i and there are people like on my instagram will be like hey can i see this floor plan and we can use it on this side i say no like we're doing custom. Custom means custom. Don't call me for <laughs> replicating a design I already did. What's um? There's a rule that you can buy the drawings, right? I don't do that. You don't do that, no. right? But there are firms that do do that, and like, yeah, so yeah. they'll never sell that drawing. That home will never be laid out. For yeah, somebody which else. is kind of respectful to the client that already paid for a design by True. me. True. Right? Imagine seeing Justin Sherry design a house. And I paid this money for it, and yeah. then oh, you're the guy around the corner who also did that. 
they know. want to be unique, and that's why they hire people like us to do something unique. I, I, I just question maybe one day I'll get the opportunity to build it myself, and I'll hire an architect, bring it on. Will I make the same stupid mistakes that all of our clients make? Which I probably will. I might not even ask the same stupid questions, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just to see how they react to whatever. But yeah. it kind of makes sense that it's a different trip. Yeah. And I think any person that's in construction or on your side with the architect and designing yeah. should definitely do it at least once. To I, oh, yeah. It, right? I think you have to. Yeah. It changed everything. And I love it, too. Like, I like the build process. It changes every day. Like, there's not a dry day. It's, it's great boring. until you get into winter and it's like a snowstorm and you got to shovel plywood. It's, it's easy for me to say because I'm just saying, hey, can you do that? <laughs> I'm not actually in the hole. It's hall. raining downpour <laughs> yeah. and you still got all this mud around and all of a sudden the wall is collapsing. It's amazing, yeah. all that shit, right? It's wonderful. No, it's just like that's, that's why what makes all, it exciting. Yeah, we all love it for that reason, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we all want to get to the stage where there's a roof on our head and then get it shingled or yeah. protected. Then we can actually get more stuff. And we'll have like designated drop zones of water getting through and then we go okay we got to fix that one got to fix that one yeah. take care of that shit but then that's always trying. my biggest fear it's like the water that's the only thing i'm concerned with now is natural water, water yeah water penetration from yeah, yeah, rain yeah, yeah. or freeze thaw that type of thing so like for a flat roof now i won't do anything but a two-ply membrane like i will not do just a one-ply epdm or something it makes sense you yeah. think we'll ever get to the point where you design a house it gets just manufactured like in a warehouse, mm-hmm. and then it just gets shipped right to site, and it just gets dropped right onto the footprint. How long and have we been boom. talking about prefab stuff? Yeah, well, it's like prefab. It'd be like a prefab evolution at that point, yeah. but I guess it's going to be a question of how do you navigate it to get to the home or to get to the lot. I think that's going to be dictated by like the economy when things are starting to get a little crazy, and we need that. Right now, we don't need that. Like Amazon starts making homes. Yeah, exactly. They they You order it on Amazon, right? Yeah. And your, your checkout box is yeah. like... $1.2 million. <laughs> yeah. And you go, it'll be delivered tomorrow. Here's my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not live. It might actually happen. I know. Holy crap. Oh, well, you see those, like the, the concrete ones that are like a robot hovering yeah. over the site. And it just and keeps just, on. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's very, very cool. Yeah. But it's limited as, I, I don't know if it's limited, but. I just yeah, I would say you're limited. It definitely. Not, but is do they reinforce that? Yeah, there's rebar. They put like rebar in. that while it's going around. And it just keeps thing. on doing yeah. that. It's interesting. So you see the possibility of the future of everything. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen, though. Like, you see so many prefab companies out there that go up, and then they're bankrupt in five years. I don't long. think homeowners... And it's expensive. Like, you you look at the cost. I'm like, build custom. It doesn't make sense to do the prefab. You still have you to do your you foundation want. servicing, all that. You get what you want. Yeah, right? and you get what you want. Sure, time is the factor there. That's the only benefit to it, I would say. And a controlled environment. Controlled environment. Yeah. So we can we can build certain sections of it properly without Mother Nature messing with us yeah. and then just drop it in place, yeah. right? But now you have to think about the logistics of getting it into the site yeah. at that point. And that too. Logistics is huge. And I think there's different avenues you can take to what would be considered a prefab. Like build your walls in a shop and truck but them I, over. You know what? I'd argue, Justin, like you get an a well-oiled company and they have the right trades yes and everybody's in line and you get on a job site whether there's bad weather or you're starting in winter or ending or whatever it is i think if you hustle and move i think old school will beat new school i think so too i have a funny feeling they would yeah like it's just like i've seen the a team of trades yes and if you put them all together on one job site yeah that's a well-built home yeah yeah 
And I think yeah, I would I would choose that home over a prefab that's in controlled Me environment. Too. Me too. I just and if sense. you're seeing the process, you're seeing everything go up. Like you don't know what's behind the walls of that prefab unit. We've got to wrap it up, but I guess one one last question before I do the twelve questions is: uh, you getting a lot of interest for laneways? I think we talked briefly. About yeah, that. like we do a lot of garden suites and garden stuff. Garden suites, right? Yeah. So yeah, you got to be suites, more interested. I just find that um, I think homeowners are a little shell shocked when they see the price because they think it's so small. Yeah, and all of a sudden you give them the price, and you're like, "Oh, how's it costing so much?" Well, you're building a structure from scratch. Tiny. It's a house. Smaller, it's a house. Everything. It has all the components of your house here. Just because it doesn't have the same amount of square footage, it still has all the components. Yeah. I would say our average garden suite's 300K minimum. Minimum starting. And when you start adding bells and whistles. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. Justin Sherry, Justin Sherry Design Studio, justinsherry.ca, 705-300-2341, info at justinsherry.ca, and on IG, it's Justin Sherry Design Studio. Designs? No, design studio. Design studio. Ready for the 12 questions? Sure. What are the 12 questions? I think I... No, I probably didn't send them to us. So <laughs> there's no right or wrong, man. What everyday sound brings you joy and comfort? Um, my kids. How many kids you got? Three. Three? Oh, you're minivan land. <laughs> what is your favorite beverage? Beer. Any beer? Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty easy going. Thank you so much for the sake. No problem. I really appreciate it, man. I wasn't to like the IPAs, but now going back to like the loggers. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite tool? Oh, man. Least favorite tool? Screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> well, electricians. Yeah. Electricians. Yeah. What turns you on creatively? Um, other people's designs. Getting inspiration from that. What word or concept do you find overused these days? Pizzazz. Pizzazz. <laughs> yeah. A lot of clients are using pizzazz. Yeah, we want some pizzazz. Yeah. And like, what I do you want on your pizzazz? Yeah. Want some arugula? What's going on? Uh, uh, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Fuck. What's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Ford F-150. What year? 2023. I flipped my truck. So oh, I that's why. Yeah. I thought you were going to go old school one. Yeah. Oh, I like the old ones too. If I, were to go I got bored of cars. I like cars, and then I, I got went the other way nice around. Car. I got yeah. rid of SUVs and vans, and I I, I prefer car. I'm no, no, car. yeah, like I'm on I my just second like a car. General thing. I think I will always be in a car, even yeah. though it has no space, really? no trunk, no. You can't store it. Like you can't travel. Uh-huh. It's all constant. Like trying to figure out how do I get this or pick this up and try to coordinate that crap. You're lower to yeah. the ground, but. I think I'm a car guy for the rest of my days. Really? I Did think you used guy. to obviously have a truck. I always had truck or, or SUVs. Really? Always. Uh-huh. And then it was uh, going on six years now. Wow. What but do you got? I got a... <laughs> Not on this podcast. I got a car. I got a car. <laughs> what do you miss from uh, your childhood? Uh, innocence. It would no. be nice if we're all adults as tradespeople and we, we yeah. act like children like that. That's why I understand it. grouchy people now. As you get older, what term or frame, or sorry, what term or phrase resonates with the core of who you are? Term or phrase. What makes you you? I don't know. That's a hard one. Is it being easy? I don't know. Actually, what's the phrase? That's nothing. Give resonates. me an example of what a phrase would I don't be. Though, like what, what core? Like what do you? I guess uh, creativity, something to do with drawing. Be on. Uh, no, I think. 
I'm honest to a fault. So I think being honest has got me here today. Fuck, you're in the wrong business. Eh? <laughs> I know. Wow. I could be a lot richer than that. Because then you hear from Clyde all the time. You're like, what do you think, Justin? Yeah. Can you give us your opinion? Yeah. And then they come out of the room crying. Yeah. He told us the truth. <laughs> if you could master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? I love music. I would want to get into music. Musician? Yeah, be a musician. I think that's the most Vocals creative. or an instrument? I think instrument. Or you want all the money and be a producer? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could speak with an historical figure, who would it be and what would you ask? Ooh, historical figure. Are we talking architects here? No, I think that's kind of just typical. Ooh. Who would I choose? Who do I look up to? History-wise. Musician? So if you're a musician, I don't know. There's lots of musicians. There's the 20... Is it 27-year-old club or the 28-year-old Yeah, the 27-year-old club. 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 I love Jimi Hendrix. Actually, that would be it. Jimi Hendrix. Really? Yeah. Be an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. I think there might be a little bit of weed. Uh, if heaven <laughs> exists, so <laughs> what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> You're in the wrong place. <laughs> Turn around. You're in the wrong place. Justin, pleasure having you on the show, man. Thank I really you. appreciate the time. Much appreciated. And, uh, enlighten us. And I'm sure that the homeowners are listening. Uh-oh. I will give this shit. They're listening for a good reason because yeah. we share valuable information. That's yes, why they're definitely. listening for good reason, right? Yeah. So thanks so much for being on the show. No, no problem. Thanks anyone can reach out to you? Like you got oh, yeah. shit going Easy on or whatever going. here? Personally, text me if you need to. Yeah, you got the number here. Isn't yeah, it? I didn't put my real number. That's and my office when number. should be contacting you if they're planning on building a house? A year from now? A year. Minimum a year. Minimum a year. So, like, you're not ready to rock and roll next week, right? No. No. I, I just way. turned that down. I used to, like, entertain it and be like, yeah, I'll help you it out. makes no sense, no. man. The permit process. The city has just become crazy. COA? Yeah. Everything. I would say 50% are minor variance applications. Because everybody wants to go. How is the city these days? You're uh, like you're dealing. No, like, slower. It. They're paying slower. slower. There's still COVID protocols in some of these townships that I'm like, it's that gone. No Working from home. That makes schedule no an appointment. Sense. We'll get back to you in a week. Can you imagine if we were building from home? <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense, right? Like you imagine. I don't know any contractors that had COVID protocols. No, we kept yeah. on building. Yeah, everybody kept on building. It was essential. That's a different argument. Yeah. That's it, Justin. Thanks so much, man. Cool. Thank We're you. We're out of here, Angelina.